2: Hello, you're all very welcome to the first episode of a Celtic Soul podcast with me, Andrew Millen. Some of you may know me from more than 90 minutes Celtic Fanzine, which has been around for 19 years. Or you may know me from Malone's where I host Celtic AM pre-match. During the next couple of months, I'm looking forward to chatting to the players and the fans I've met over the last couple of decades following Celtic. And we will be discussing all the issues of the day concerning Celtic Football Club and the Celtic fan base. Later on, I will be talking to Alan Thompson, former Celtic player and also former first team coach who played his part in this nine in a row. But first of all, I caught up with my good friend, Average Joe Miller from Not A View Celtic fanzine. Uh, delighted to be joined by Average Joe Miller of Not A View fame. Probably the second best fanzine out there. <laughs> Still playing that
3: card. <laughs> Joe, what issue are you on now? Baby? Oh, let me see. I think it was 274 or something, or maybe more,
2: I don't know. Wow, that's that's some, that's some uh, some achievement for a bunch of uh
3: scallies. Yeah, a couple of Scream bandits for Glasgow, you know. So it's amazing what we better It's amazing what a photocopier copy. and some Prit Stick can do. That's it, mate. We were we were sniffing the Pritstick. stick.
2: <laughs> now there might be children listening to this Joe so Kids, you listen to this, don't snip do, print stick at home. They probably wouldn't know what it was anyway.
0: Yeah.
2: It's something from yeah, the 70s yeah. and the 80s. Yeah.
0: So, uh,
2: but on a serious matter, which is hard to do with you,
3: um, nine in a row, second time round, So good we've done it twice. Amazing. It's still an amazing feat, you know, and it's quite hard because we're all living in lockdown, but uh, it's still, still great celebrating it and, Couple of mates went buying cars, tooting horns, flags out, and there was fireworks. Lindum the Chapel, there was fireworks going off at nine o'clock to celebrate nine. Uh, it was just amazing. So you still get good a good vibe out of
2: it. Yeah, well, I've been following you on Twitter, Joe, and you've seemed to be. Uh, you seem to made the most of the lockdown, anyway.
3: You need to do as best you can, mate. It's trying Always oh, it? oh, positive. Um, but it must have been
2: strange not to be there in McCool celebrating.
3: Very much so. I uh, spoke to a lot of the, the mates and obviously seeing the likes of you guys and uh, that's that's the, the downside about it. I was talking to Nicky about it the other day. Obviously he's feeling it more because the pub's not open. And But we'll get there. We'll all get there I think eventually, mate.
2: And the big target then is going to be 10,
3: Joe. Forget the Cups. Forget Europe. Let's get the 10. Well, I remember the first time round, the first nine, and going for ten, and obviously I was a very young boy at the time. But obviously. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you, the disappointment and the disbelief, I just couldn't understand how we didn't get ten, you know, because you just expected, especially the first time round, I think more it was a case of, or just... You, now we're just winning all the time but you just kind of thought it was going to happen so it was a bit of a alright there is kids on that maybe listen to this but it was like kicking the nuts honestly it was such a disappointment not getting the 10 that feeling just was so bad so, so we can't we can't let it happen again definitely not I don't want to feel like that again see once we get the 10 I'll be happy that's me Joe. you must have been in sharp hands the first time round, were you? I was, I was in short pants, yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, do, does, I suppose for someone that witnessed them, which is which is an amazing feat, I spoke to John Fallon about her and um, his great memories. He spoke about, uh, I think it was the 68-69 treble winning season. Mm. That was his mm. favourite of the nine. Of this current run,
3: Joe, what, what, what's what been your favourite of the nine? Of this current run? Oh, oh I think the demolition of, uh, the Rangers International Football Club, when we got a hold of them and absolutely spanked them. It was good. Uh, The challenge for Aberdeen was quite good as well. I enjoyed that for a bit. Uh, I think just the consistency of the team and the performances at times. Uh, Some of the games are quite... A lot of people kind of forget how good we were and how good a performance put on because you sometimes maybe remember the poor performances that you scrape a win they're just as vital as well, you know. But its I think taking it fairly, I looked back the other day there, and I don't know why it came into my head, but I looked back at the very first game we played on the first league one, and we won two and all the way to Hibs. Stokes scored our very first goal and on that run for nine, and uh, Key scored the second. And I couldn't even remember that Hooper missed a penalty in that game. So I was. I'm trying to go back as many games as I can from the beginning, just catch on YouTube, because there is a lot you won't will, will not remember, and a lot of good memories in that. And there There is some games showing. You know, people jog your memory, and some players
2: even. But we, we, we've yeah. seen we, we've seen some quality players come through. Big Virgil, Wanyama, Dembele. Like, there's been some some players, some really good
3: players that come through. Yeah, exactly, and if you go back and look at that first game, as I just mentioned there, you look at the team lineup. none of them play with us now. Uh, James Forrest came on as a late sub, and Bruni was out suspended. So I, think Char- was, I think
2: Charlie McGrooke happened to the team that day, did he? Yeah,
3: uh, Wilson. Mark Wilson. Mark
2: Wilson, Mark Wilson, yeah.
3: yeah. So so just things like that. It's good to look back on it and then kind of kick in the brain cells and from that. That first season, right through till now,
2: yeah. It's, and, and and two players there are ever present. Yeah, exactly. Brown gets all the plaudits, but I think I think sometimes James Forrest gets a raw deal, and he's there constantly. Yeah,
3: of course he does. he kind of, I, I there's a lot of criticism of James Forrest. Me personally, I think he could be world class if he was gallus. I say this all the time. See if he was just let like, a uh, had. A wee bit of gallows in him like the way some of uh, players have. He's quite timid in a way, Forrest. But if he just that wee bit more gallous, I think he'd be world class. He's that's the only thing I think is lacking in his game slightly. But that's that's a con- constructive criticism. It's not a the way some people go on about him which is absolutely ridiculous calling him <laughs> absolute rubbish when he's not you know know—he's he's got abundance of skill he's just not always there with him sometimes
2: and like he, he's had uh, he's always had competition for a place and uh, you know everybody fell in love with Paddy Roberts when he came up and you know they were calling for him to be in the head of James but Forrest knuckled down and you know he became the man there Paddy, Paddy Roberts, um, I always remember a good friend of mine telling me, he says, he'll, he says he'll be gone and James Forrest will push on. And he was correct. I think Forrest really pushed on
3: under Brendan Rogers. Yeah, and I think as well it helps with the likes of Paddy Roberts and a bit of competition as well in there. But I think James Forrest gets asked to do a lot of things that you don't kind of necessarily see or people talk about. He, he has to kind of backtrack and be more defensive whereas when Paddy Roberts played he was free to do what he wanted to do basically so there is limitations on it he, he kind of follows orders more and and does that but now for him to be there for the full nine you, you can't knock that at all
2: yeah and then the the other one we, we spoke about is I suppose you know you can't say a bad word against him
3: is, is Scott Brown you know because he's just improved year on year oh yeah and God have you seen the head of hair he's got on him now Hi, well, Joey, jo, he, could, he could get a quiff out of that like yours. I, I'm going to sell him some, <laughs> some John Paul.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely yeah, and you know he's got a super haircut like myself. He could have shaved.
3: Yeah, uh, His has uh, standard of performances every season is unbelievable, and he is a true leader. And I think sometimes when you're living through players that are playing like that, you don't really because we're used to talking about our legends as the ones that aren't playing anymore, but we are living through a legend. Holy praise indeed,
2: Joe. And it's funny, I spoke to John Fallon um, for the podcast and, you know, John was, was drawing comparisons between Billy, who was his captain, and I was there for the nine in a row. And he said, you know, Billy was Billy was a quite leader, you know, he was, He said, but when you're in the midfield engine room, he says, he just reminds me of Bobby Mordick. He said, and that is high praise indeed to come from John, because Bobby's probably the greatest player in the modern Celtic era. Arguably.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely. It's the, the comparison between Billy, Billy is, he would have worked in the year to a certain player to go and do this, go and do that. Whereas Bruni will go and do that on his own. He'll yeah. try and sort everything out on the park. Whereas, you you mentioned Murdoch and the likes of Bertie Old. If there was anything happening in midfield or Jinky needed a wee bit more protection, probably half the time Billy wouldn't need to say to them, they'd just go and do it. But Bruni is the man who'll go round and have a quiet world in a, in one of the players here or go out and sort it out for them. And I love him for it. And see all the people all the, all the opposition fans that say all the three things about him, they would love to have him on his team. And that's the compliment of it is they would love to have a guy like Bruni in their team.
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, he's he's been um, and he had his critics as well over the years, you know. But
3: like, mm. I think even when no, he well, even when he was a Hibs, he was ballsy when he used to put it up to Lennon. Yeah, well, I remember a game at Easter Road and they were bossing it. Him and uh, Kevin Thompson were bossing it, and Lenny wound up Brown and Brown just kind of lost his way in the game because he got involved in Hardy and Millennia and tried to wind up as well. But he learned from that, that he can still continue playing football, but still have the wind up. But that day he kind of lost it. And I think we got a draw and there was some difference. But even then, there's Bruni and Kevin Thompson. Kevin Thompson went to the Rangers and at the time, a lot of people were saying he was a better player, better footballer. Well, his career only lasted a few seasons compared to what Bruni went on to do. And still, it can continue to do.
2: And he wasn't tempted either. There was talk of Newcastle and moves down the Premier League and he didn't seem to be tempted. He just, he just pushed on and he will push on to the 10 because he, he, he just doesn't, see, he doesn't seem like a player that is, you know, like every year you hear, oh, he's getting leggy. He's not getting, you know, and then he just, yeah. he just kicks on.
3: And another thing, I think, uh, he's getting to the club. He's not, a traditional Celtic man He's not. doesn't come from a Celtic background wasn't a Celtic supporter but he's one of these guys that gets it and really is he stands up for us you know and I love that there's a guy because a lot of, I mean uh, Craig uh, no who was it Stephen Presley came to Celtic and I remember an interview and he said this is not the club I was told it was like and he, he never says a bad word, word about Celtic. I just like guys like that to get it and understand it and really see something different for what their perception of the club is. And I think Bruni has. In the, uh, there was an interview and he was talking about when he was signing for Celtic and he could have went with Rangers at the time as well. And the way he talked about Tommy Burns was just, honestly, it brings a tear to your eye, you know. just He brings that man in. And, right away you're choking and the things he said about them, you just go man this is this is Celtic
2: isn't it sure is Joe when you mentioned Tommy there we all think I was just taking back to the May is a month where you know there's so many memories in May because you've cup finals and league trophies and you've heartache as well but um, winning the league in Tannadoise for, for Tommy you know, that sticks, oh,
3: know that's a May memory aye and the, the year the league did get extended because that was a midweek trip up to Tanadice, even though they said uh, the, the mob across the, the the water there, the wrong side of Glasgow, uh, keep saying they never got help. They got plenty of bloody help, but God help them, they went out of business. You have to have
2: a little tear for them too. They went out of business, you know.
3: Oh, I know, I know. I they came, they,
2: they came back, you know. But uh, they put all their eggs in one basket with Stevie G, and they just didn't walk for the poor devil. Oh,
3: now, the the that result against us at Celtic Park and you know, other teams Hamilton beat us at Celtic Park. You know, it's not as if they were the first team to beat us at Celtic Park. But they made a song and dance about it and you just kinda knew. Now, they'll never learn their lesson. And Ah, but it was know.
2: the biggest it was the biggest win in their history. I know it's a short history, but it was the biggest win.
3: I know. To be fair, we teams always kinda raised their game against <laughs> us. <laughs> Joe, um Where do we go from here with football? I haven't watched
2: the German football, I'll be honest. The thought of watching the game without fans just doesn't sit well with me, but it looks like it's going to go behind closed doors in Scotland as well. I know you have a second team over in Germany, St. Pauli. Have you watched them? What's the feedback been like coming from the St. Pauli fans?
3: Yeah, well... A group of us all went online and we do a kind of chat while we're watching the game, and it wasn't good. It just wasn't good. So but I've not watched any of the other games, the German games. I've just watched St. Pauli. Uh, got a game on uh, Wednesday night as well. So it feels like a training session. It feels like a pre season friendly. It's, it's it's just dead, you know. It's, it's, it's as dead as Rangers, you know. It's just. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just a horrible feeling watching a team you've got an interest in playing in an empty ground and running about with the guys on the side with masks on and then they take the masks off and then they play and they're playing beside guys. So what the hell are they wearing a mask for in the first place? And I just I just don't think it's right. It's all it's all based on money, TV revenue and I get all this to survive and all the rest of it and keep clubs going. But now... Is it a matter of life and death? Football? Well, they seem to be putting it above that. Yeah, yeah, they seem to be making it. There's a chance somebody might catch something here. Some of the clubs, uh, I think it's uh, one of the Berlin clubs, already had positive uh, players, so they're out of it completely. They can't play. Uh, I seen a we uh, as we snip it all day. Some of the English players were getting interviewed, uh, getting tested, and. Some of them are positive after already had a negative, so this this is the COVID isn't going away, you know, and pushing football back too early, I think.
2: And Selig so are talking about going back training at the end of
3: June. Do you, do you see that happening? I could see that happening training, yeah. Um, again, it's quite dangerous because you're trusting people out with when you're with them to be compliant with the standards you're meant to do now. Now, if the UK government are breaking the rules, Christ, they're, they're Us <laughs> mortals, are we going to be doing it? Now, I, I, I don't mix with anybody. I don't see anybody. I, I talk over maybe a fence to my sister every now and then because I'm trying to look after my mum. So I don't have any contact with anyone. So these are the things that are in your mind constantly. And you think then, are footballers you no. Know, Many they're going to get go back twenty-two players or something. Going to get back and all be together and everybody's saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm definitely staying by the rules." And all it takes one to break it, and then it spreads to someone else. Yeah, good points, Joe. Um,
2: I know we 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 can't wait uh, to get back to football, but we're not dying to get back. Exactly. That is that. You know. Yeah. Um, Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's always great to catch up with you. Uh, hopefully, you'll come back in the pod some stage. But hopefully, yeah. Uh, We'll be back at McCool's having a, a pre or a post-match point.
3: That would be lovely. And uh, you're round. It always oh, is, Joe. Always yeah. is. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Joe. As always, my friends. Catch you later.
2: Ah, it's always great to talk to Joe. Check out the fanzine on NTV, CelticFanzine.com, or pick up a copy on match day. Now I'm joined by another good friend, an old uh, Matt and O'Neill Starwood Alan Thompson, uh, everyone knows Alan for his goals against Rangers and also those big goals in Europe against Barcelona and Liverpool. And he also played his part as coach of the first team with Neil Lennon in the early days of this nine in a row. It's always good to get an inside view.
4: tom how are you doing, pal? Yeah, all good. All good. Strange times, but uh, trying to keep active. I haven't seen you since we were in Thailand. Yeah, yeah. Some trip. Unfortunately, it was cut short, wasn't it? But um, maybe we'll be able to do it again sometime.
2: Uh, hopefully. It was, it was surreal uh, coming back
4: to what we came back to. So how's lockdown been to you? Yeah, it's been tough. I think, um, I just think not seeing the family as much as you'd like to see the family has been the toughest part of it, you know, your, your parents and stuff like that. And I've seen the kids last weekend for the first time. So um, that's it's getting easier, shall we say. Plus, the golf courses are open now, so that helps. So, you're bad golfing? Yeah, bad golfing. I've had three rounds up there now since last week, so enjoying it. I uh, must, be, must be ready to
2: go back. I don't play the sport myself, so uh, I can't comment on it. But uh, I see a, a lot of the boys are looking forward to getting back out over here.
4: Yeah, I can imagine. But imagine having half an hour on a course with you would be tough enough, never mind four hours. Uh, there you go. Four hours? <laughs> four hours? Does it take that long? Four hours. Switch your phone off and know and get in contact with you. It's brilliant. Oh, well, I can do that without playing golf. Yeah.
2: Listen, Tomo. Uh, we celebrated a strange one with the COVID nineteen, we couldn't finish the season. out. we celebrated nine in a row last week. Uh, an amazing achievement.
4: Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And um, I mean, in an ideal world, you would like to have done it in front of the supporters, in front of your home crowd. It's Celtic Park, but uh, it's just such a strange times at the moment where it it, it, it wasn't able to happen, and um, I'm sure if you if you'd give Lenny the option, he'd want to have done it that way. But it's the, it's the next best thing, and um, I've, I've heard there's been a few parties since they've announced that Celtic have got that nine in a row now, so they're still partying up in Glasgow and Dublin, I think.
2: Oh yeah, well uh, I have to say I had a few I had a have, I had a few drinks on Saturday night um, to celebrate, but I've been. I've been keeping me powder dry since. Tell me, you you were you were part of the nine in a row. I suppose we forget about that as first team coach in, in with with Neil when he was forced. He was when he was forced in the, in the coaching role. Um, how how big a part does the coach play? Is it a does he does he break barriers between the manager and the players or what is the the role?
4: Well, I think it, a, a lot of managers work differently where the the let coaches are quite hand on so. Lenny would quite often let me um, do my own sessions. He might give us something that he wanted to work on and I'd come up with a session and deliver the session to the players. And Some managers like to do all the coaching themselves. Uh, Gordon Strachan done a lot of coaching himself. Um, Martin O'Neill didn't do any coaching. He let his first-team coach get on with it. So they're all different. Lenny's a bit of a combination. He's a bit of a hybrid. Lenny gets to do his own coaching and he'll also let his, his first-team coach do some coaching as well. So he does a bit of both. Obviously, successfully. So he's he's obviously picked up a bit from Martin and a bit from Gordon. Yeah, yeah. And, and and other managers who he's worked with over his time as well, you know. So um, um, yeah, he definitely combines the two, and um, yeah, he's good at them both.
2: Now, Damien Duff went to Celtic after being at Rovers. Uh, obviously, Damien had a big a big football career, uh, doing a lot of Rovers with the kids, and what well, it didn't go unnoticed. And then he he went to Celtic and quickly he was he was fast strike quickly to the to the coaching staff of the force team. He's gone now. Um do you think you know Lennon will will recruit from from within? Or does does he look outside or will it be a thing that it would be a decision by like Peter Lowell who who goes in?
4: Um, I'm not sure whose decision it would be. Um You'd like to think that Lenny would have some input into it, being the being the manager, and given that he'd have to work with a with a person whoever comes in on a day-to-day basis they'd have to have a good relationship, working relationship, trust. That's the biggest thing. Um so so Lenny, whoever he does bring in or whoever Peter Lowell brings in, trusts the uh, the main one between the, the between the working parties. And um, just, just just
2: sticking with, with, with when you were coaching there, there was, there was two players there who've, who've, done, who've been there for the whole of the nine, James E. Forrest and Scott Brown. Um, what would they
4: like to walk with? Uh, fantastic. Great lads. Um, but the, just, they've, they've been an integral part of this this nine in a row, haven't they? And hopefully maybe go 10-11, who knows after that. But um, yeah, great lads. Great to have around the dressing room being Scottish as well, they know they know what it, what it's all about to play for Celtic. And they've just had that winning mentality. And I think when the chips are down you can look to Brownie and you can look to Jamesy as well, you know, to deliver the goods. Tommy you come up you come up from uh England,
2: favor Celtic and uh you know, some players get it, some players don't, but you you, you got her almost instantly. You know, you loved you loved
4: it. Yeah, yeah, it was unbelievable and uh things people can't take away from you, the memories and stuff like that, you know, good and bad. No, I just I just got it from day one. Um, I'd been at big clubs before, but um, nothing as big as Celtic, that was for sure.
2: And it, it, like it is important that um, the players buy into it because there have been players that have come up and have really, you know, really bought into it and others maybe don't get it. And I think next year, if you can keep the nucleus of the team together and maybe bring in one, the local boys will be important.
4: Yeah, of course they will. Of course they will. And um I'm sure they'll be recruiting um to the best of their ability in the summer, whether that's spending big money or or going and finding the next uh, gem that's out there from abroad, you know, which they've done very well in the previous years, you know, your Van Dykes and people of this world and Edward and you know, so who knows they might have their their irons in a fire ready to pull another superstar out.
2: Yeah, and it's 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 obviously they're talking about going back the end of June um the German footballers back with their fans. But as a player, Tomo, you know, like the fans must be must be so so important because I'm sure you've played in, in, in reserve games or over the years where there's no fans there. And it
4: must be just you're pushing to get to your team. But like will it affect the players? Um I don't know, but if, if I can take myself back to when I was a young lad getting in the reserve team and you were going around the country and playing at St James's Park Newcastle or going to Anfield. It was great playing at these stadiums, but it was it's difficult to play in them when there's no fans in them. You know, it's like, oh, imagine what it'd be like when it's full. So we were just playing reserve games. Celtic, like when they're playing for three points and, and there's, there's no crowd getting behind you, it's it's definitely got to affect you in some capacity, I would say, yes. Because them fans can off give you a lift along the way.
2: And while you mention fans, uh, I've noticed you've joined
4: Twitter during the lockdown. Well, no, what happened was... Um, Someone texted me in January, February, when, when Jackie McNamara took ill. And thankfully, Jackie's doing great now. So I've seen a really, someone showed me a, a, something, someone had tweet, tweeted about Jackie, which was totally unfair. So I thought, I'm going to go on and give that person a little bit back. And I only sent one tweet and then I didn't bother with it again. And then last week when they announced Celtic were champions for nine in a row, a um, couple of notifications come up saying, oh, Chris Sutton had tweeted congratulations John Hartson and I thought ah, it would be nice just to go on and put a message on say well done to Lenny and the players and, and all the staff and that and congratulations and then it just seemed to go from one thing to another I still haven't got a clue what I'm doing but uh, I'll stick with it yeah, no, no bother to you I've seen some fair play I've
2: I've seen a couple of the tweets um, I've seen the one with the Caesar t-shirt that no, fair play to you
4: yeah, yeah I'll get that one there get that one signed and send that out to someone that one Fair play to you. Um, Tom, it's been a pleasure um, and I hope you'll come back on and
2: chat chat to us on the pod again. And I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, we've a gig lined up in Waddle, so when that's rescheduled, I'm looking forward to getting um, an old night out
4: with you. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to seeing you, Andy, and uh, everyone out there, stay safe and keep well.
2: Hell, hell, Tomo. Thanks very much. Yes, Andy. Yeah, it was great to talk to Tomo and also, Joe, I'd like to thank both lads for coming on the show today. Early next week, I will be talking to the Lisbon Lion and the original holy goalie, John Fallon. And I'll also be talking to Frank Norkombokov, who is a Borussia Dortmund fan and also a regular in Celtic Park, who will bring us up to date on the Bundesliga's restart and what it's like for football without fans. And I would just like to thank Rory Lee from Paddy's Point Pub in Alicante, Liseña, Alicante, Spain, who has kindly sponsored this episode of the podcast. Paddy's Point is home to a Celtic Supporters Club and you can watch all home and away games on the big screens. Folks, please visit our website, www.celticfanzine.com, where you'll find daily news and articles, information on the fanzine, merchandise and future live events. This podcast was produced by my good friend, Ronan McQuillan. So folks, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and like, and also leave a five-star review. No one-star reviews here. And if you're a Sifconian from across the city, please don't be annoying us. We've enough to be doing with COVID-19. And you can also follow us, folks, on social media, or on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. But we think we're a little old now, and a bit long in the tooth for the old Snapchat and the TikTok. Well that's it folks I really enjoyed chatting to the boys and I hope you enjoyed listening Stay tuned with us because we've got some great guests coming up over the summer Keep the faith and more importantly stay safe